All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We're here with another episode of the Pit Stop Podcast, episode 35. With me, as always, is Chris Garofola. Today, we have a very, very special guest. I'm really fired up about this. We've got Kurt Elster, CEO, co-founder of the Ether Cycle, also the host of the unofficial Shopify podcast with over a million, that's right, a million downloads. Going to want to check this out. Tune in. Stay tuned in the whole time. Here we go. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much, not too much. Happy to have our guest, Kurt, on the show today. I already know he's going to bring a wealth of knowledge for our audience. Totally. Kurt, Kurt, how's it going, buddy? Uh, Going good. What's, uh, What's new with you guys? Um, you know, we're just rocking and rolling and, uh, you, you know, another episode here with, uh, with, with you, obviously. And, uh, you, you know, we're oh, yeah. really, really excited to have you, uh, ha- have you on the show. We know you're busy. Uh, you were just saying you were on a, a another, uh, podcast earlier or something. It's, we appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man. Yeah. I'm recording, uh, two today, one for my show, one for you guys. Uh, where are you guys recording from? From Boston. Yes. Cool. Good, good old, good old Bean Town. Oh, good yeah. old, good old Bean Town. I'm sure. Uh, in, in obviously, you're out of Chicago, um, so y- y- you know you've got the White Sox, Red Sox stuff uh, going on there. Uh, I- I- interleague rivalry. No, that's they're, they're the same, same, uh, same division. No, right? No, I don't know. American I'm League. I'm more of a basketball. I don't know yeah. about sports. I have no idea. <laughs> Um, obviously none of us do. Right. Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh, getting, getting down to, uh, uh, to, to more important things, uh, Kurt, uh, really high, high level. I'll let you dig into it. You, you know, you are the, the CEO co-founder of EtherCycle, Um, and is, and like we mentioned before, the host of the unofficial Shopify podcast. Um, so, you, you know, Tell me, tell us a little bit about how you got into the, the e-com industry. Uh, has it been like a, a lifelong passion, something you stumbled into? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So a hundred percent, it has been looking back on it, it. It's something that I was practically groomed to do. Um, when I was a kid, my dad lost his job and I don't know why the guy, he he never worked again. And at that point, even though he was never an entrepreneur, he really pushed entrepreneurship. He said, if you work for yourself, you can never get fired. And so like that became, you know, having that beaten into me as a kid, it seemed like having a job was just, a, would be being employed would be uh, just a total betrayal of all of that. So rapidly, you know, I, I viewed myself as uh, proudly unemployable. Um, so I went through in college, I was selling on eBay. I was making band shirts in my dorm room and I've got like my first cease and desist from Warner brothers. And like, I was so green. I knew so little, um, I was like, why, why can't I, <laughs> I don't understand copyright. Like it wasn't malicious. I literally had no idea. Um, but I made like my first semester, I made a thousand dollars on eBay profit, which I like when you're a college kid, you're like, Oh my God. And like, this is rich. Yeah. Um, and when I got that, that's C and D I'm like, all right, time to move on from this. I'm like, Oh, well, they've got uh, good deals on software licenses in the, the college bookstore and other college bookstores have different software license deals. So I just started buying software from different uh, college bookstores. Again, mm-hmm. not knowing how copyright works. 
and listing this gray market software on eBay and it, like now making serious money. Mm-hmm. And then Microsoft is like, yeah, that's gray market software. You can't sell to that buddy. So that was, <laughs> I had to research that and was like, Oh, okay. Um, but for the post college, um, I went to, it was like right during the recession, things were rough. Um, and so I went, uh, and started working for auto parts, dra- aftermarket auto parts, dropshipper, local TH motorsports. Mm. Um, and that was started by a young guy at college, Eddie Lixine, who I learned a lot from. And TH stood for true Honda because the business was originally following his passion, which was, you know, uh, like built civics and stuff. Um, and he didn't like, like me in college did not have a good grasp grasp on trademarks. So Honda, then he gets to see a D from Honda. So they came TH motorsports. So I was a good company there. Um, but I loved cars. I was a car guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, got some, some cool cars now. And, uh, what do you got? Started working. I got the, a Jaguar FS that's it's stick. Man, it's so hard to find a good stick car these days. Very cool. Um, choices are really limited. Yep. I got the the family car is a F one fifty FX four Super Crew with thirty three inch off road tires. That's like what my <laughs> wife drives around. It's great. Car. Yeah. There's we got two strollers in the bed and uh, a car seat and some boosters. Like we got three kids. This is our. This is the that's vehicle. The, that's and it's, the family. It's got the appearance package. It's tint. That is yeah, the family. So that's the family truckster. Pun intended. The that family the, truckster. That is the yeah, family we, truckster. We lovingly call it the family truckster. Um, and then I got a basket case of a race car. We got um, we participated in lemons. So we've got a 2003 VW Jetta stick that has been painted to look like Thomas the Tank. It's okay. really, really atrocious. It's amazing. <laughs> that's <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. So. I was working at, at TH Motorsports. We're doing drop shipping. It was a lot of fun. I was learning a ton, but I knew, like, I didn't feel right. Um, I'm like, I gotta go work for myself. Um, and so I said, not knowing what I didn't know, I said, man, let's build our own e-commerce platform. And of course, a year into that, discovered it was way harder than I thought. Um, and to keep the lights on, we started hiring, uh, or we started taking on client work. We started doing local brochure sites for businesses and then WordPress sites. And pretty quickly, I was able to work my way up in terms of clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started working with uh, creative agencies. We did stuff for Verizon, the NFL, Hilton Hotels. And at the same time, we had a friend who owned a bike shop and goes, hey, I hate my e-commerce platform. You guys know web stuff. Help mm-hmm. us out. And I had worked as a bike mechanic in this bike shop. Um, I said, you know, I heard about this thing called Shopify. It's supposed to be pretty easy. Like, let's try that. Mm-hmm. Again, not knowing what I don't know our first Shopify project is let's build design and develop our own custom theme to this day. It's almost closing in on 10 years later. That website and that theme are still up at amblingcycle.com. Oh, which wow. is crazy. Um, so from there I tried I'm like, all right, e-commerce is clearly the way to go. And we did like one last painful project. So, all right, e-commerce only. Um, I started, I made landing pages for a ton of different uh, e-commerce platforms. And I was just, whenever we sold one, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so we did and we quickly discovered, okay, it's not a fluke. Shopify is our favorite here. So uh, about five years ago, I said, all right, we're doing Shopify exclusively from now on. Um, and then a little while after that, started the podcast. And first month, 148 downloads. This month, 50,000 downloads. Um, so it 
really it's just like showing up and making the content and working in public. Um, and it has, it has grown dramatically and tremendously. And I'm very grateful. No, no, it's awesome. There you go. It, That's a long version. No, of and, and, and I love it. And, no, but, but I love the, the, um, uh, the journey, right? And, and I, I think it's really important for people to understand the journey because it's, um, it, there's a lot of people out there that are really impatient and, um, you know, not everything is just a straight line, right? And, and, it, and it comes from a lot of hard work. And, and it started, you know, when you were a kid, right? Yep. That, that mindset, yeah. that mentality. Well, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that that, you know, speaks volumes to you and where, you know, everything that you've learned along the way and um, the trials and the tribulations and, 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 and everything. So, I mean, it's, it's great to hear that. And uh, um, so people understand that, Hey, like, uh, y- you know, it's not, I just throw up a website and I'm going to be making millions of dollars overnight. Right. It just, it's, you're not an overnight su- success. Um, not everyone's going to be an overnight success. Right. So, Oh, they're incredibly rare. It, it, they're incredibly rare. And, um, you know, so getting back to, to, to Shopify and your exclusive focus on Shopify, let's talk about that. So you, you've obviously, you know, you've, you've worked with a lot of different platforms and, um, you know, uh, there you've got Shopify, you've got, uh, Magento, big commerce, um, you, you know, Volusion, all of these different different platform, e-com platforms that are out there. Uh, why Shopify? Why do you love it so much? Why do you recommend it? Why do you, you know, why? So I came from um, a WordPress background. Mm-hmm. So you had to do your, you had to host your own stuff and now you're responsible for security and updates. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you host the platform yourself, like, um, you know, it's the case with uh, Magento One, mm-hmm. um, uh, PrestaShop, a lot of those like open source platforms, you are, whether you like it or not, you are now forcibly in the IT business. Mm-hmm. So I immediately, you, know, you only have to get your WordPress site hacked so many times, despite your best efforts, um, to start to appreciate these cloud solutions where like, all right, someone else is exclusively responsible for server uptime and security and maintenance and upgrades and all that stuff. Um, so number one, it's a cloud platform and it was the, the earliest, uh, on shopping e-commerce uh, cloud platform. So I like that a lot. Number two, most of these, these platforms have horrific, incomplete, out-of-date documentation. And Shopify has always had excellent documentation, which made life great. And then third, um, if you notice, like, the first one's about the platform. The second one is not about... My second favorite thing is not about the platform itself. It's about the support. And the third is the community around it. So mm-hmm. very early on, they had uh, a gentleman named Dan Evelay who started a partner program. So this guy's job was just to enlist, get people involved with the platform. And I got an email from him years ago. He said, hey, we saw you built a custom theme. That's cool. You should join our experts program. And so getting that email, getting that recognition, like, okay, cool. We, we should check this out. Well, they're doing that at scale. They're doing that to a ton of people. So rapidly, while no one else was investing in community beyond like, we have a forum, we kind of sort of moderate. They were actively recruiting partners. Um, you know, this was uh, five five years ago, five, six years ago. Um, and that had a 
a huge importance on um, building the ecosystem around it. So it's like any feature service integration you need, there is an app or documented solution for it. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's the real power of, of the, um, of Shopify. Very like, there's a Shopify app store, just like your phone's app store. And it is very much a case of like, whatever you can think of, there's an app for that. Mm-hmm. Like I have a hand, I, we have a couple apps, but like, let's say you want to do a crowdfunding campaign. Oh, there's like three apps for that. And I own one of them. Um, so there's always, always a solution out there. It's a very extensible platform, but it's also very easy to use because you don't have all of this stuff, like all this cruft baked into it. It's, it's a good point that, you know, that cross baked into it, all this other stuff that, you know, you don't necessarily need. You you add on what you need and you use what you need to, um, uh, to, to, to suit your needs, right? Because there's, you know... We, yeah, it's very we, a la carte. Yeah, and I mean, we work with, obviously we work, work with hundreds of dealerships across the country and not every dealership is the same. And I mean, we were, we have this conversation, this joke around, you know, the office sometimes it's like, well, oh, I went and checked out their, their parts department. Well, was it Game of Thrones kind of dungeon parts department or was it, you know, the Jetsons and, uh, you know, super space age. And they're like, oh no, no, it was in the, the, you know, the bowels of, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the dealership here. It was, it was pretty rough. And then there's others where it's like, wow, like, you know, I, I ate the chicken parm off the floor here. And this is, you know, this place is awesome. Um, and so point being is that, you know, Every dealership has different needs and, um, you know, some, uh, you know, just want to make an incremental 10 grand a month and others want to make, you know, a million dollars a month. And, you know, the, the flexibility of Shopify to to allow people to scale is is really intriguing. Right. And not have to be a, an IT professional in order you know to figure out how to do things and. Um, because like you said, especially in the parts department, you know, some, some of these guys, um, you know, they might not know what, you know, Google analytics is, or, you know, their way around, uh, a more confusing dashboard. So having that usability, um, is really important too. Um, so, so Kurt, your experience in the parts, um, the, the parts and accessories industry, um, with, with TH auto sports. Right. And I know we're kind of going back here a, a, a little bit um, from that point, and, and we didn't ask you how long ago that was. What have you seen has been like a big uh, change in the industry from the time that you were in it at TH Autosports and today? Oh, well, it's tremendously, um, it's significantly more competitive now. Mm-hmm. And the, the issue with a platform um, like Google Shopping, like Google product listing ads, is it has become a race to the bottom. Because if I'm sophisticated and I just I know my part number and I can just drop that into Google, boom, it's going to just show me, hey, here's the cheapest one. And then I can just click through and buy it. It's like you have to have an approach to that. Um, and the incredibly sophisticated people out there like have built systems where it's going to, you know, troll daily uh, these these Google shopping feeds and try and pull down prices and then try to update its own and do price matching. Like there is some, you know, brutally competitive things going on out there. Like, and a lot of these guys are drop shippers and fly by night. 
Um, so on the customer side, there's more anxiety than ever. So you really like more so than just cause than standard e-commerce, which on its own is a scary proposition. It is essentially a stranger in a parking lot going, Hey, I got the t-shirts. Give me your credit card number. Like, Holy crap. Who wants to do that? You don't know who you're getting your, your credit card number to. Um, and auto parts buyers are often uh, younger. They are savvy uh, online shoppers because to get parts you need to purchase. Um, like really your best option is, is going to be buying online to get exactly what you want. And um, they're going to have bad experiences. So that's what you're up against. Um, you more than ever have to invest in trust building right. and have a really polished professional experience as part of that. Um, and at the same time, like look for ways to cut through the signal that, that signal to noise ratio. I like that signal to noise ratio. Yeah, no, you, you, you've said, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, uh, you, you said, you said like a, uh, a lot of really good things there, Chris. And, uh, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Kurt. Uh, the first being the, the race to the bottom, right. And you're hundred percent right. What piece of advice can you get? And, and then the other thing that I want to touch upon is that trust building uh, piece of it too. But um, what piece of advice can you give, uh, you know, our listeners out there to get around or strategies to get around the race to the bottom? Sure. So there's, there's two things going on there. Um, there's two, two approaches I would take short term and long term. Short term is we want to, before you're already driving traffic to your site or you're about to be, um, you need to provide the absolute best experience and absolutely work on busting people's objections. So, um, like, you know, they're going to want to know, Hey, is this in stock or not a TH motorsports? One of the clever things that the owner did was the tagline was your in stock superstore. We didn't actually know of anything like that's just a tagline. You really had no idea if something was in stock or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that like inspired people that got them interested because you have no idea what you're dealing with. Um, so more than ever, you want to over communicate in your product descriptions. Like let's get all of the info that you have on that display it to the customer, let them sort through it. Um, the, cause you don't know what they need. Um, state like, Hey, this is, and on a lot of platforms, you know, you could come up with clever ways to do this. Um, but state like your, if you order today, when does your order buy? If I, uh, if I order today, when does my order arrive by? And like, you don't have to have it exact, but you can give ranges. So they mm-hmm. have an idea. Like certainly, you know, you know what a typical transit time is and shipping time, or at least you should. Mm-hmm. So over communicate, put that info in there. State like, yes, this is for real in stock. There's a lot of systems and platforms now that can display inventory. Um, so if you have that capability, please do, or say like, Hey, ask, you know, if you really, if you want to double check stock levels, you can always, you know, contact us via live chat or call, um, and making yourself available will help with that trust. Like have an 800 number. Again, like one of the things I learned early on from TH Motorsports was just having a big toll free number right in the header was a huge trust indicator. And people like, I talked to people on the phone who'd say like, yeah, it's my third order. And I just liked that. I knew I could call you if I had to, geez, that's great. Um, so it just adds like such professionalism and there's no reason not like it's whole free number silly now. Cause we don't, there's no such thing as long distance minutes anymore. No. Um, but it's, it's a trust indicator. Um, so like, uh, a system like grasshopper or whatever can let you get uh, a toll free number pretty easily. Um, so it's like short term is just on the website over communicate to set expectations, right. And make yourself very available. So it needs to be very customer service focused. 
But if you have a big catalog and a lot of, a lot of people in the space do work on how easy, how long does it take to get to a product? How easy can you make it? And the right answer is going to be either like a vehicle fitment system. And that's where you can really compete with Amazon because they still struggle with this. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, like, and you could borrow from Amazon giant search bar should be in your header on desktop and mobile so that people could just start typing the thing they're looking for. Cause these people are sophisticated. They may know part numbers. They may know like a brand in part. So make sure your, your search works with that. Invest in a good, good search with autocomplete. That's our short term strategy. Long term, I would focus on content marketing. Like if you're in this space, I'm assuming it's because you're, you're passionate about it or working in it or knowledgeable. So you do, you want people to buy parts and maintenance items from you, make videos showing in your shop how you guys do that, right? Like, can okay, you, can you say that again? You change. Can you say that again? Sure. In uh, a great content marketing strategy would be make content videos out of what you're already doing now. So if it's like, all right, you're doing a brake pad change. Uh, I had to change the, the front brake pads on my F-150. I didn't think twice about that. But for it's only because in the past, I've been able to watch YouTube videos on it. So why aren't you doing the same thing? Like, hey, here's a video on how exactly how to do this. Here are the part numbers you need. Here are links to the parts. Boom. That goes in the YouTube description. Then, so that's going to be uh, inbound, bring people into the site. Then take that content, drop it into the, the description of every page that mentions that has one of those parts in it right. and okay. Or make, and make a landing page for it. All right. Now you've got that content on your site. So, um, people are going to see, Oh, video content, man, whether or not people play the video, it will still increase conversions because it speaks to that professionalism and trust again. Um, and now we've got like this, this SEO effort. So if you could just make one video about changing your brake pads, suddenly you've got it, you have dramatically improved the customer experience and SEO and inbound marketing um, and your content marketing. And so look for those things. Um, or like, especially if you're in a shop or you know, like you're working um, just in that automotive space, there's always like customers who drop by with crazy shit. They're mm-hmm. like, Hey, check out my Pantera. We're going to do burnout in the parking lot. Why are you not <laughs> making videos of that and uploading it somewhere? Right? Yeah. Like I know that stuff's happening at these shops. Right. Share it online. Yep. The one thing that like that, this generation needs more than ever. Like we have been marketed to more than any other humans on the planet. They crave authenticity. And I'm like, you, I know it's true. You know, it's true. But I uh, was just talking to the marketing director from Hoonigan and that was his, you know, they, they do the Jim Connor videos that have um, kind of two is 50 million views. I just looked it up. Um, they said, just be authentic. Like this is all just born out of passion. Just be real and authentic. That is all, this, these people care about that's like the kids that's what they want it's just give me something real mm-hmm. right and I think a lot of uh, companies are are naive because they feel like they're giving away too much information you know if I'm showing them how to well, change so their silly. breaks I, I agree with you I, I think it's silly too but it's one of those things that you can't be naive because you know if you're not going to show them how to do what somebody else is and they're going to google it they're going to youtube it and they're going to figure it out so why not you be the resource and you be the one answering their questions and providing this you know transparency and um, and whatnot. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's common sense to me, but there's still a lot of resistance out there. I mean, look at, you know, HubSpot, HubSpot gives away so much information for free. It's all inbound. You, you provide them with, um, these resources and this knowledge. And then over time you just, you're building trust. And when 
they are thinking about purchasing, you know, X, Y, Z, they're going to think of you because you're, you're going to be top of mind because you're always providing these resources. And like you mentioned, you know, just show uh, how to change a brake pad or something. This is already things that they're doing on a day-to-day basis. It's already part of their system. So why not throw it in? Just press play on your iPhone and it doesn't even have to be a, you know, a super nice camera and document it and, and upload it. And so it's not even like you're, um, you know, creating, you, you don't have to go out of your workflow. This is part of their workflow, you know, for the most part. And it's just simply setting it up, pressing play. Yeah. And like, don't hire a guy to do it. Get the guy who does it to do it. Right. If there's a mechanic and he's, if they're, he's doing this, the, this brake job. All right, let's just document that. And you know, I think a lot of people will, will think that's fun and enjoy it. Like don't, I think your, your on-screen talent should just be the people who are in the business. Mm-hmm. Agreed. A hundred percent. Getting back to the authenticity uh, part of it. They, they know it, it, it you know, you can, the, 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 the target consumer that, or the, the, the consumer is going to see like, if this guy's like an actor, they're going to be able to read through the lines. Right. And just like, this guy doesn't know where this is and how to fix this. And he's, you know, fumbling over things like they, they know, they, they, they get it. They understand. Um, you know, and, and we, we tell these guys every day, like get out there. There's always time. There's always downtime. And it, 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 they, they complained to us about, you know, oh, I've got this big, you know, high payroll and da, 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 da. And, and, you know, and I know that there's, there's people sitting around, you know, taking an hour lunch, an hour and a half lunch. And there's always like, there's always time, you know, you said it yourself, Kurt, just create one video, one video a day, a 30 second video. Like that's, you're not, you're not asking much. I mean, that's, that's crazy that you can't cre- create one 30 second video a day you know, on a, on a, uh, on a unique individual product or accessory to add to that, uh, uh, that, that product page. Right. Right. And this is, you know, this video can live on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, talking about this video content, just social commerce in general is, is growing mm-hmm. every day. And I know, um, Instagram just came out with, uh, being able to purchase things natively on the site. And so now influencers can tag products that they're, um, representing or, or if they're working with a certain company and they're wearing, say it's a fashion company wearing a, you know, a t-shirt from XYZ company, they can tag that in their post. And, and now these consumers can and purchase that. So, I mean, that's not only should our clients be creating content and video content, but it's, that's where the industry is going. Social commerce is only going to get bigger and bigger. And it only makes sense that you start producing this content now because, um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's only going to be influencing sales more and more as uh, time goes on. Yeah. Kurt, what, are, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? Absolutely. With, with, uh, with Instagram and announcing that on Tuesday, as well as, um, you know, Facebook announced, I believe, yesterday as well uh with whatsapp and their new e-commerce platform and i I don't know if you saw that or not uh but you know what what are your thoughts on on that and and how brands should be um you know projecting themselves and and communicating to their customers via those those social platforms and trying to sell off those social platforms um 
in the case of Instagram, what's interesting about it is I think Instagram just became the new mall, right? It's a place where you go, you don't have a purpose, but there is a, a sense of discovery. There's like a joy of discovery of, of discovering new products. And Instagram was weird in the past in that there were no links. You could not, right. like if you posted, you could not link to something, which is very strange. You just say, oh, go, the link is in my profile. And then if they go click on the bio, so you have like a single link, which is weird. Right, there's a lot of 10, friction. 10,000 followers, you could do swipe up in stories. Um, or like you then, because really what they wanted you to do was then use remarketing ads and run, use Facebook ads manager to run ads in Instagram, um, which is not quite the same, a little strange. Mm-hmm. So I think this push um, simplifies things for the consumer. It will make, um, I mean, Instagram is its own animal. It's just viciously competitive, more so I think than, than any other platform. Um, and now it's, hundred percent, it's going to get worse, but it will be, um, I think the, the advantage, uh, is for the consumer who could like, it's just a, an easier to use experience now. And that's where they are. That's where they're spending a lot of their time. So why push them off uh, a site where, you know, just keep everything native, keep everything there. I mean, it seems like a pretty logical next step to create shoppable posts, um, right on, right on Instagram there to keep them there. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how these shoppable posts, uh, affect online sales for various industries, even, you know, parts industry, you know, mm-hmm. should our clients be thinking about Instagram and creating shoppable posts for popular parts and accessories? I mean, does that make sense? And, you know, where is that going to be next year? I mean, is it, you know, let's start figuring this out now and testing the waters now, because, you know, before you know it, we're, we're going to be behind the eight ball. Should we, you know, should clients be, you know, testing this out now? Um, because, I mean, there's a lot of shift in dollars right now. I know, Am- um, what was it, Amazon? No, Google just came out with earnings and they went down a little bit in revenue. So, you know, with the emergence of these marketplaces like Amazon and eBay and now shoppable Instagram posts, you know, consumer or companies are going to start shifting money around. And so it, it makes you question like, all right, well, where do I shift this money? Should I be putting more money into Instagram and growing the, these networks or Facebook or Twitter and creating these shoppable posts and advertising there? Um, you know, these are all questions we should be asking ourselves. You know, it, it depends where your audience is. Mm-hmm. Um, like trying to, I would say like pick a, ideally pick a single channel um, and, and try and double down there where like, look where you, you already have an advantage. Look where you already have traction and, and work on that. Don't, you know, I would not just sit down and go, oh, well, like TikTok's the hot new thing that the kids are on. So now we got to go figure out TikTok. You're just going to waste a lot of time um, taking that approach. I think with uh, in the case of, of Instagram, Facebook ads, Instagram ads are not are more expensive than ever. Facebook just posted um, record-setting quarterly profits, mm-hmm. but at the same time, relative to all other advertising, it's still incredibly cheap, right. and you can set the budget to whatever the heck you want. So I think the the name of the game, if it's if we're trying to increase trust, the functional way we want to do that is by increasing touch points. So the, these re anywhere we can remarket is a, um, is probably a good idea. So if they visit our site, they visit a the product, they don't purchase it. I want for at least a week, I want those people to see ads for your brand, for exactly that product, uh, around the web. And that's going to be, um, Google shopping, dynamic remarketing ads could do that. Facebook's remarketing ads could do that. And then uh, Instagram is an ad placement on there. Um, and then like that will get you 
you know, as many placements as you want, you could get into Facebook Messenger like that. You can get into Stories. Mm-hmm. It will get you everywhere. So, like, you don't even necessarily have to have the audience on those platforms to be there and be omnipresent. Right. Right. No, it makes sense. And, and you know, you, you've you've talked about this. Uh, quite a few times, and this is something that we echo to our partners is, um, you know, having multiple touch points of communication, right? And we say always be accessible. And I mean, you would, maybe you'd be surprised, maybe you wouldn't, the amount of partners that we work with that are like, no, we don't want a phone, phone number on, on the website. Or live chat. And, or, 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 or live chat. Or an artificial intelligence bot that has pre-canned messages and pre-canned like you know questions to the you know all questions and answers to most frequently asked questions and um and i and i and i tell these guys we we tell these guys like hey look well what's their pushback why are they saying they don't want that time what's going on there we don't have enough time and you know my response my, my response to that is does your dealership on the sales side not have a phone number do they not have chat do they not make enough time. Like it's, it's silly. It's just, it's, it's silly. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, like a, it's a mindset. It it, right. It's it's totally, it's a, it's a mindset. What's the difference right. between somebody walking into your showroom to buy a car and letting them walk out with, you know, not having a salesperson talk to them versus somebody go to your website and leave a message in live chat. I mean, to me, it's the same thing. If somebody leaves a message in live chat and you don't respond to them, it's the same thing as somebody walking into your showroom. I mean, what's the difference? Okay, one's digital and one's you can physically see them, but there's some type of disconnect there where it's like, all right, well, I would, of course, I want to let somebody walk out of the showroom without talking to them. Well, what's the difference? At the end of the day, what is the difference? And there's this, this disconnect that is really frustrating that for some reason, it's okay to let these people leave. And with so much competition, I mean, just the fact that they landed on your website like that's a win right there. I mean, it's hard with, with the, like I keep saying it with the marketplaces, Amazons and Ebays and you know, all this competition, it's hard enough just to get a consumer to your website because there's so many touch points there. They have 15 browsers open at once and they're price checking. And I mean, it's essentially a world of perfect information. And Kurt, this is going back to why you were saying it's so important to just brand yourself and be transparent because how do you compete in such a competitive landscape? And for you or for a client to not take advantage of when a customer's asking them, potentially saying, here, I want to give you my business. I just have a question. Like for you not to capitalize on that is just, honestly, it's shame on you. And somebody else is going to take that, 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 you know, that order or answer that question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If someone, and for every person who asks a question in live chat, figure 10 other people had the exact same question and just didn't ask. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, maybe early on, you've got a ton of, you've got to do a ton of customer support. But those are all customer service opportunities where uh, if you was like, okay, three people ask the same question. All right, how can we answer that on the website? Or we had returns for the same reason. Okay, how can we bust that objection? How could we fix that on the website? So like you can rapidly work through those. If you have a customer service mindset, you can work through those things and then apply them uh, to your apply them as like strategies and tactics to your own website to then reduce the number of inquiries. That's a great question. You adding it to your uh, FAQ portion on your website or just creating blog content around those frequently asked questions. Because I, again, a lot of clients will be, what should we be writing about in these blog posts? Well, what are people asking you? What are people when they're calling, what are they asking when they're leaving 
messages in live chat, what are they asking? That's what you should be writing about. Because if, to your point, Kurt, if one person is writing about this, it's pretty likely more people have that same question. So how can we now take that information and curate it into something that, you know, maybe it's a blog post or again, going into the frequently asked questions. Um, I mean, it's a great way to just survey uh, what your, your consumers are looking for. Yeah. And the, like one of the, and if the goal is just, Hey, let's reduce inquiries. Well then just provide a better experience is mm-hmm. really what's going to do it. Um, yeah. not hiding is going to make things worse. Um, but you can do like, <laughs> yeah, the FAQ page is the easy way out, but what you can also do is then that assumes people visit the FAQ page. Mm-hmm. So you probably want like the Q and a on individual product pages. Um, some review apps will support stuff like that. Or maybe, you know, these are common questions that you can add to the description. Um, and then on the contact page, put like your top three questions you get as like FAQ questions before the contact form and say, Hey, like you got a question. We're happy to help. Like here's their top three Q and a, um, and then the fourth one is, well, you know, what if I didn't see my question answer here? And then you say, Oh, well check the FAQ. And uh, if it's not there, then, you know, contact us below. And that's really going to just something as simple is that it's going to really uh, reduce the, the total number of inquiries. That's awesome. And, and all of this is, is, is really a uh, part of that, that conversion rate optimization that you're consistently stressing. Right. And like every one yeah. of these, pe- these pieces is, is part of that. And, you know, and Chris brought up a good point too, with, you know, with all the competition that's out there and it continues to be more competitive, you know, each day, each month, each year, right. We have to do all of these little things to increase that conversion rate and, and, and take the time. You know, don't be afraid to answer the phone. Don't be afraid to send abandoned cart emails or if somebody filled out the cart, right, and put all of their information in there, phone number, email, everything in there, and then busted you know, off, off the site, didn't convert. Well, what are you doing? Like you have all their information. Reach out to them. Send them an email. Given how time-consuming and expensive it is to acquire a customer to get them onto the site, you should 100% be focused on retention. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the big retention tactics is customer service, customer experience. Right. And it's largely mobile now. Kurt, how has uh, conversion rate optimization evolved over the years now that e-commerce is largely mobile first? I mean... Day over, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's only it's it's getting bigger every day. Mobile, you know, and like how has that evolved? This CRO being that e-commerce is largely mobile first now. Uh, well, a couple of things. The what's interesting, like many sites, um, it is not a common will be at like ninety percent mobile traffic, but the conversion rate. The experience on mobile, especially checkout, still sucks. Like, it really has not been sorted out well. Um, so it is typical for, even with 90% of the traffic on mobile, the conversion rate on mobile in a very good optimized store is still going to be about 50% of desktop. So they are both incredibly important, um, but most of your revenue... Most of your revenue is going to happen on desktop, but your research and purchase decisions are going to happen on mobile. So like you have to have a great experience on both. Um, and then the, the other issue thing about it is it has put an outsized importance on uh, page speed. 
right? Because we've got, um, you know, uh, connections on mobile phones uh, is often much slower. So we need to have fast sites. Sometimes as a test, uh, I will go in our office building. There's a spot by the elevator that I know has just terrible reception. It kicks me off LTE. I'll go load a site on there and see what happens. Like how long until I can navigate it? What breaks? What works? Um, so that's a, an interesting test to take. And it, it's putting an importance on readability and legibility. Like a phone screen is just not that big. Uh, the web is 90% typography. Your website needs to be really easy to read. Um, so just like going back and, and studying the basics of uh, typographic design has helped me immensely. Um, but yeah, like mm. just sometimes just bumping up the font size is enough to increase conversion. That was going to actually lead me to uh, another question. What design mistakes do you see merchants making? Uh, well, there's always this, there's this goofball idea that no one reads on the web, which just isn't true. They skim mm-hmm. and then they read. Um, so like we often see people just taking out, like you don't want those customer service questions. Well, you got to answer them up front. So we see people with just like short, useless product descriptions. That drives me crazy. Um, there's this idea that like subtle is sophisticated and somehow that became, well, really tiny fonts are sophisticated. So like you go on the luxury brand sites and they're like 14 point, 13 point font and just like really thin weight. Um, <laughs> Very minimalist. You know, yeah. Forget that. Just make the, yeah, just make the damn thing readable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and conversions will go up. Uh, and uh, number one, this one drives me nuts is like your main menu navigation should just be about shopping. And a lot of sites you go on, like the first link is home. And then the second link is shop. And it's just a monstrous drop down menu. And then like all the other links are useless things. Like you know, in the main, that shouldn't be in the main menu. You know, they should be in the footer. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, if I, I said that and immediately you thought about your own site with just everything buried in one shop drop down menu, that shop drop down menu, that should be the entire menu. Just pull all that stuff out of the drop down, make that the main menu. Um, the faster you can get someone to a product, that's the difference between them walking past the storefront and walking into it. Those people are going to be twice as likely to buy from you. Right. Reducing those, uh, those points, mm-hmm. getting the A to B as quickly as possible, Le- less friction points, less points to drop off. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just, it, it fascinates me the, uh, how, a lot of these guys like to make things so complex and you know, the uh, consumers are just, it, it's a, are, are so much more savvy now. And uh, th- there's information, you know, just a couple clicks away for, for anything and everything. Right. So, um, and people, we live in this, inst- this world of instant gratification. You know, we want a pizza. It's just a, you know, a, a click away. And we want to date. It's just a, a know, swipe away. A, a swipe away. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm a happily married man, and I want to know either. Y- y- My girlfriend's watching. But uh, um, I, w- I wasn't. You know, they didn't have those those things when I was in that that world, that scene, and um, probably a good thing. Um, but uh, uh, y- y- you know, we're we're in this world of instant gratification. We want what we want, and we want it now. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've got to get to it and we, we have to get to the point is as quickly as possible. Um, and you know, it just, 
doing all of these little things that you've you've talked about today has been is is has been awesome um and it is really going to take uh take things to the next level so that kind of like leads me to um one of one of our last questions here kurt is what what is one you know piece of advice that you can give any fixed operations director or any parts manager that is looking to sell online um, or is currently selling online? What, what's that one piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice that you can give to them? Uh, I would say rather than make your life difficult with a giant catalog, try and trim it down. Like for most stores, only 20% of the catalog is going to be 80% of the revenue. Right. So instead of making yourself crazy, maintaining this huge catalog, really like trim it down to you, you've got data, you know what the, the best selling items are, you know what the, the, the top uh, um, vehicle fitments are, just really limit it, focus it down and then like specialize in just that. So you're known for like, oh, those are the like, you know, whatever chassis guys um, that will, will help dramatically uh, in making your life easier, making the entire process easier, like everything will be simpler for you as a result. Um, and two, within a day of working on your own website, you will, like already, you've spent more time on it than anyone else on the planet. You will spend more time on it than anyone else on the planet. So you you can't see the forest through the trees. Uh, so look for other people, strangers, where you can shoulder surf and say, hey, could you like find this product, try and buy it for your car, and just take notes of where they go wrong. It will be maddening to watch and you will learn so much about how you screwed up and had no idea. Um, so like just make that a, a consistent approach to your site. Cause I'll, um, the automotive space, especially like these sites are grim. Um, it is just not, uh, an industry that has been willing to adopt this quickly, um, or moved quickly. Um, so I think there's, at the same time, I, I think there's a huge opportunity here for the people who are willing to um, invest in, in building these, these really slick, easy-to-use e-commerce experiences for their customers. Uh, love it. Love it. And, and one last question here, Kurt, is what's, what's a recent um, you know, fact or stat that's you know, really fascinated you uh, lately? Sure. The two, yesterday or the, the day before I looked at um, the internet retailer report of like the top 500 internet retailers. And I was going through it. Um, and the, the interesting stat I saw was uh, median conversion rate was two and a half percent. So the question I get all the time is what's a good conversion rate? Well, it's going to, I always say, Hey, it's going to depend on industry and your average order value and your traffic sort. Like there's so many factors, but for once we have like, all right, here's the answer. It's two and a half percent. Um, so I don't know if that, that helps anybody, but it's pretty good. Like it, it's harder than you'd think to mm-hmm. get to a two and a half percent conversion rate. Yeah, no, it, 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 it definitely is. And it's, and it's good to have that, that benchmark. Right. And so there's, there's something to, if, if you're at a, a one, um, you know, 1.2, it's, it's like, okay, this is the goal. This is what we have to do. This is where we got it. This is where we need to be here guys. And then it makes, it makes the conversation a little bit easier. Right. And in going, well, this is where we need to be. This is the benchmark. What do we got to do to get there? And everything that, you know, you've been saying, um, 
you know, here today, it, it really um, it echoes a lot of things that we've been, you know, saying, hey, put a phone number on the, on the site. Guys, stop, <laughs> stop being lazy here, all right? Stop being an order taker and offer up some great customer service. Offer up a great experience here and, and, and really show why, you know, you, uh, why you want someone's business, why you want them to continue to come back. Why they should give you their business. Why they should. Yeah. And why they should, you know, go back and refer you to other friends and uh, colleagues. Um, but, uh, Kurt, um, pleasure to, to, to have you on the Pitsaw podcast here, uh, today. And, um, for those of you who want to continue to follow Kurt, uh, you can follow Kurt at, uh, Definitely check out the unofficial uh, Shopify podcast. Uh, tons and tons of knowledge there. Even if you don't have a Shopify site, I highly recommend um, you to, to 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 get on there because, as you've heard today, Kurt is just a, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, he's he's he cut his teeth in the auto parts and accessories industry. Understands it. Um, and Kurt, where else can uh, our audience follow you? Are you on Instagram, Twitter? Uh, well, on Instagram, I'm just posting drone videos. So, <laughs> no, I've got. Um, I try to post one quick e-commerce win every day on Twitter, um, as well as on on Facebook and LinkedIn. So it's really like connect wherever is convenient. Um, but if you want my newsletter, uh, head to kurtelster.com. Uh, when you get an automated email from me, that's my real email address. So if you reply to it with a thoughtful question, I will send you a thoughtful answer. Love it. Love it. Love it. Kurt, once again, thank you uh, a bunch. Really appreciate it. And love to have you back again here um, over the next uh, few, few, few months. Certainly. My pleasure. Thank you guys. Thanks, Kurt.